welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And our friend Aaron is joining us today. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Doing well. And today, in this episode, we're going to talk about a new movie. It's called Cry Macho, and Matt's going to tell us about it. Yeah, it's a new one from Clint Eastwood, new Clint Eastwood joint. (laughs) And it is set in Mexico and Texas. It starts off in Texas, primarily set in 1980. And uh, Clint Eastwood is a retired uh, rodeo guy. And uh, he worked for a character played by Dwight Yoakam. And Dwight Yoakam tells him one day that he has a 13-year-old son down in Mexico and that the mom is um, not right in the head and he wants to get his son back from uh, from Mexico. So he says, hey, hey, Clint, uh, will you go and, and, and get my son back? So Clint kind of owes him one. So he says, sure. So the movie is sort of this journey that Clint Eastwood's character takes to down to Mexico. He meets... Um, Rafa, Rafa, the, 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 the son, played by Eduardo Minette. Um, he also meets with, uh, meets up with a woman named Marta, played by Natalia Trevin. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. Aaron, what did you think of this? You're a big Clean Eastwood fan, so. Yeah, I am, I am a big Clean Eastwood fan. So it's actually, I, when you, when you called and said, hey, do you want to do this? I'm, I kind of thought that I might have been the first person you thought of for Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I am a big fan. And I don't think that we've ever really talked about any Clint Eastwood movies ever. I know you guys sometimes tend to be a little bit indifferent to Clint Eastwood. I am a super fan. And with that said, I, I really liked this movie. But the caveats for that is that I'm not sure. Like, if you are a person who doesn't know anything about Clint Eastwood and you want to watch his movies, I don't think this is the best place to start. There's Clint Eastwood has this tough guy image and persona that not only had he perfected over the years, but because he started directing his own movies, he really kind of took control of the image that he was projecting was always sort of created by him. And this movie is a really bittersweet, deconstruction of, of that image. Um, I, I like the movie. I think there's some plot points in the movie that really kind of only happen in the service of creating a plot and not really because <laughs> they make logical sense. You know, I mean, a large portion of the movie takes place in a small town where there's really no real reason for, the, for them to be in that town. They just sort of happen to show up there. Um, but with, with, with that said, Eastwood, my interest in Eastwood has always been more as a director than as an actor. And so a lot of his movies, sometimes I think they would have been elevated a little more if someone other than Eastwood played the role. And I don't think that's the case here. I think Eastwood's really very good in this role. And I think that the kid, uh, did you say Eduardo Manette, was that his name that plays Rafo? I think he's fantastic. He's great. Um, as a Clint Eastwood fan, I am pleased by this movie. Um, but I wouldn't rank it. And, you know, if I was to make a top 10 list, this wouldn't be on it. I thought that the movie was, was very nice. <laughs> and by that, I mean, it was very, it's, it's very good natured and well-meaning. And I think it had some lessons to learn. Some of those coming from the, you know, the deconstruction of his image, which you, 
which you talked about. So that was, that was interesting. Um, I, I've, I've always thought that Eastwood is a very personable actor and he's nice to watch and he's a very talented director. And I thought the movie was, was well-directed and well-made. Um, and I'm also, you know, I'm all for simplicity and storytelling when it makes sense. It can give you kind of a lyrical feeling to a movie and, you know, make a movie very beautiful if it's done well. Um, this movie felt a little too slight to me. Um, I felt like I was needing a little more. Um, there were a handful of scenes where I was emotionally engaged, but for the most part, it didn't really work on me. Like, I think it was trying to work on me. Um, but, and to be honest, so Clint Eastwood is 91 years old. I felt myself looking at him and he's, there are some scenes where he's so slow and so kind of frail <laughs> that I was worried for him. <laughs> and it, it took, it took me out of the movie a little bit. And, and it, it also, it, it didn't, I wasn't convinced that he would be the person going on this mission and doing this thing, or that he would be the person asked to go on this mission and do this thing. You want to tell folks what you said? Uh, <laughs> while we're watching well, it? I said, I don't think I would ask him to go to the corner store for me much less go down to Mexico and, <laughs> and do this. <laughs> so yeah, I, that took me out of the movie a little bit. So I feel like, I feel like it has some flaws, but it's very well-meaning and, and, and well-made and it's hard not to, not to like it. But I do think it has some some issues. Yeah, um, this is an interesting film. Um, it is very, as you say, slight on the one hand, um, but it also has some some deeper stuff going on. I love the look of it. So you know, Clint Eastwood, um, his directorial style—it's weird. It's very varied. You get stuff like you know, Unforgiven, mm-hmm. um, and then you get stuff. Uh, and of course, the examples are fleeting my head, but some stuff that's very basic. And he's known for kind of being a quick. And done director, which is fine. But um, this sort of, to me, falls in between. I think the cinematography in this is really good. I looked up the cinematographer. It's Ben Davis, who his credits tend to be a whole lot of Marvel movies, which I wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. say much about cinematography there. Uh, he did, like, Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange. He also did, though, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm-hmm. But a lot of scenes look really good in this movie. I mean, there's some, some Vista shots, you know, of of what's supposed to be Mexico, but I looked it up. It's actually filmed in New Mexico. Um, but no, it, it, it's a really good looking film. Okay. Um, I have to disagree with Aaron here. Uh, one of the things I thought from almost the get go, and especially when the plot kicked in is he needed somebody else to do this role. He needed somebody 25 to 35 years younger (laughs) because, Clint Eastwood is a 90, he's probably 90 when he made this, maybe. He's a 90-year-old man who who looked like, I mean, uh, uh, I would put him maybe 80, maybe. <laughs> but he's certainly not someone who's passing off for decades younger than his age. And on the one hand, it's impre- he's, in, he's in good shape. I mean, there are people in their 60s and 70s who are not able to get around like, you know, he does. So on the one hand, hey, kudos to him. Hats off. On the other hand, um, he is, you, you look at the way he's kind of bent and the way he moves. And I don't know how much of that is acting or how much of that's just really him. But I mean, I, it's, I'm just like, no, 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 no. This is, I don't, I don't believe him going down to Mexico on his own at his age doing this. I don't, um, 
believe that there's a there's a scene where a 30 something year old woman throws herself at him <laughs> i don't care how sexed up she is <laughs> you know um uh, no, no, Clint, no. Uh, and there's another scene where, you know, we, well, the, the Marta character that I've mentioned earlier. Um, she's kind of, you know, she ends up becoming smitten with him. And again, I'm like, I mean, he's old enough to be, I think, at least her father. And I don't know, like, one thing about Clint Eastwood, you know, love, it or, love him or hate him, he's old school. You know, and this kind of thing was much more standard and, and, and worked um, 20, 30 years ago where, you know, men who are, are of a certain age just have women throw themselves at them. Nowadays, this is antiquated very much. And I'm, I'm just watching it kind of feeling a little uncomfortable. Um, so those are some of my initial thoughts. I'll kick it back to Aaron right now, though. Oh, oh, real quick, I want to comment on what you said. Uh, because, it, yeah, the, there, there's a truth to that. Uh, you used the word antiquated. Um, the movie takes place in 79, though. It so, takes place in 79, but and actually most of it takes place in 80. But um, it, yeah. it takes place 41 years ago. Um, but it's a movie made now for audiences yeah. oh, no, now. I, no, I, I understand. Yeah. I, I was just curious if that... that if you're, well, I guess my question was, was that opinion that you had based on the movie taking place in 79 or the movie being a, a movie filmed in 2020? It's a movie filmed in, it's a movie filmed in 2020. And I think, you know, I don't think this, I don't think much has changed. I don't think that women were more, younger women were more keen to throw themselves at an 80 or 90 year old man back in 1980. I think that stuff got kind of got portrayed a little bit more because men made, you know, and they still do predominantly men make movies and men fantasize about themselves at whatever age being sex symbols. So, yeah, this, hey, 20, 30, 40 year old woman's going to throw themselves at a man old enough to be their grandfather or father, except in real life, probably. I don't know how how real that was. And so. I don't care if it's a 2020 movie set in 1980; it's antiquated. Yeah, but I, but I get it. It's Clint Eastwood. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that was always, that was to be part of my comment there too. Is that Eastwood? You know, there, there's a. The, it, it's really funny that the, the the word macho is thrown around so much in this movie. But you know, in the title and the the, the themes and the ideals that uh, uh, Rafo achieves, and then he's you know he's got a rooster that he's named Macho. Uh, the, the macho is exactly what Clint Eastwood's image was from from his early Sergio Leone westerns through Dirty Harry, you know, up until later. And one thing that I've learned as I've gone back and watched older Clint Eastwood films is that there is there's there is often a focus on uh, male virility and the idea that, that hey, I'm Clint Eastwood. Women are going to throw themselves at me. It doesn't matter if I'm 90. It doesn't matter if I'm 20. It doesn't matter if I'm 50. It doesn't even matter if the character I'm playing is a jerk. I'm Clint Eastwood. Women are going to throw themselves at me. And that's something that I agree with you bothered me in this movie because in particular, if we're going to start and, and the last several Clint Eastwood movies, the last one that he was in was the mule and then uh, the and Grand Torino in recent years 
there, there has he has started doing these movies that do have a deconstruction of his macho image. Except for some reason, he won't let that that aspect of it go. <laughs> that aspect is never deconstructed. He's still ninety years old, and women are still throwing themselves. And Mule, in particular, the Mule is very uncomfortable in that regard. Um, all the women want Clint, you know, and it doesn't matter that he's you know 85, 90 years old. Um, I, I did like I did like Clint in this performance, and, and I'm and, you know, and again, I'm I'm a fan of Clint, but he's not the greatest actor. He's really, I mean, I can pinpoint movies that he was in that I think he's downright terrible in. I didn't think he was bad in this. Um, and, and I think, you know, given the age of the, the age of the character and the age of Clint, I don't know that I could picture really anyone else in the role. I saw Clint and I, I, I rode with it. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. Matt, I'm glad you mentioned the the cinematography because that's one of the things that I liked most about the movie. And I particularly liked there were some scenes at night where they're they're camping out, and I thought those were done well. And then scenes at dusk where they're like in silhouette, mm-hmm. and I thought that was very beautiful. Um, you know, I I like a slow paced movie. Um, I would think this one is actually quite deliberately paced. And <laughs> I, I uh, I, I, didn't, I don't mind that so much, but I noted it. And so just as a warning to those who don't like a slow-paced film, this, this is a slow-paced film. We were talking about, Ashley and I, when we watched it, um, <laughs> it takes Clint, the way the story is paced, it takes him, him about five minutes to get from where he's at in Texas down to Mexico City. And it takes him about 50 years <laughs> to get... To get back from Mexico City <laughs> to the U.S. Uh, Mexican border, right? And and but interesting. That's why I said earlier it's a journey. I mean, the movie. You're totally right, Ashley. This is a deliberately paced movie. <laughs> it's about the journey, mm-hmm. except your mileage may vary about whether that's <laughs> that's okay with you. I'll be right. honest with you. It bordered on on tempting my patience a little bit. Um, you know what was uh, tempting my patience as far as the pacing was concerned there's several sequences I I was seriously getting irritated there are several sequences where one character in the scene speaks English and the other characters all speak Spanish and they would speak Spanish and then the one kid that speaks both Spanish and English would then translate what it said (laughs) and Clint would speak in English and he would translate it back then she would respond and he would translate it's like you, we we have a six scene, a six line of dialogue scene, and you turned it into twenty four lines of dialogue. With a, and then they did it too because one of the characters is deaf and she speaks in sign language. Then they threw that, and she would do sign language. He'd have to translate. See, <laughs> it just, it just got, I didn't mind that those aspects of it, it but it's interesting you bring that up because something that bothered me about this is uh, you know, and I don't know what Texas was like. In the early 80s, that's four decades ago, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, yeah, Clint's character doesn't know Spanish um, throughout most of this. Although by the end, he seems to pick up, by the end, he's having almost conversations, sort of, maybe, with 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 Spanish-speaking people. And you're like, oh, oh okay, so maybe he's picked up on it. Because seriously, they spend, he, he and boy spend weeks on this trip back. So I think maybe we're supposed to think he picked up a little bit of it, but here's my thing. You don't, in my opinion, uh, I could be totally wrong. Maybe someone from Texas will correct me, but I don't know how you spend decades of your life as his character did. Apparently in Texas, 
and not pick up on any Spanish. Especially if you're a cowboy. Yeah. So the fact that this character um, doesn't know Spanish is something, and it becomes a plot point, kind of, as Aaron was talking about. I, that's another aspect of it. I was just like, come on, man. You know, I mean, it's, uh, I love the music in this. It was quiet. Uh, it was by uh, Mark Mantina. Um, it was, it was good. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, what, what I guess one thing I just take away from the movie is there didn't, <laughs> some of the action scenes, or should I say attempts at action scenes were interesting. And I don't know if there was a, an, an intention to kind of subvert your expectations when it came to these action scenes. There, there's one scene where Clint, um, and I don't want to give too much away, but some things happen that kind of, um, you would expect, but the scene just ends so quickly. And then, and then again, there's in the later part of the film, um, just when you think that there's some tension or something bad might go down, I don't know. It just all whimpers out. And I don't know. There's just not a lot of conflict. And that's why I kind of go back to my original description of this movie. It's just a very nice movie. I mean, there's, (laughs) there's, There's nothing much to get worried about. <laughs> you hit upon something there. Thanks for reminding me um, that I thought I kind of ding it for, and, you know, and you can argue that maybe this wasn't the kind of movie it was wanting to be, but I, then I don't think it should have put these kind of scenes in there. I wouldn't even describe those as action scenes. I would describe them as quasi tension scenes. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, um, and, and I thought about this as I was watching it, is and I don't know whether this is an issue with direction or editing or, or what, but um, I felt no tension in this movie. There were a handful of scenes dropped in throughout the film that I'm like, in another, maybe perhaps more well done film, <laughs> um, there, there, these would have been a good excuse to, to build some tension. You know, I'm thinking of uh, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the the Spawn Ranch scene. All right. I mean, that's some tension right there. You could cut it with a a knife. Mm -hmm. I think there were scenes that could have been kind of like that, you know, Um, but no, I felt no tension whatsoever. (laughs) And um, I thought that was maybe a little bit of a failing of the movie. I don't know what you thought, Aaron, but no, I, I, but I I agree with you. And and it's funny because I had this morning, you know, I work third shift. I work overnight. And uh, this morning, over one over my lunch hour, I read a review of the movie, um, and I don't remember what critic it was or what newspaper it was in. But one of the one of the things that they had they had talked about was uh, exactly I mean ex- exactly what Ashley had just brought up, and to to a certain extent, what you had said is that they they they, they said it sort of sarcastically, and they they kind of said that Clint Eastwood has made an action movie for old people. <laughs> was, was sort of the, was sort of the way that they had put it. Old, old people can't handle the tension, so they, they can't handle the excitement. So you have to give them, you know, quasi tension is, is a great way to put it. And your example from Once Upon a Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is is downright perfect because uh, nothing happens in that scene either. But you're just like uh, <laughs> on the edge of your seat. Um, I, I I I think that that's that. I, I think there's a critical response to this film that you you use you said nice film and and I remember uh, I, I will always remember Ashley it was something that you had said I think it was in the movie Peanut Butter Falcon uh, 
reviewing Peanut Butter Falcon and you said that you really like a movie where people are nice to each other. Mm-hmm. And that that occurred to me while watching this movie. Um, it, 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 it's just it, it, it's nice. And I use the word bittersweet. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes from my love of Eastwood. You know, this is not a perfect Eastwood film, but he's certainly done way better, way better movies. But as a, as a fan of Eastwood, there's things in this movie that I, 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 you don't really get to see him do very often. So there is something kind of, and maybe, and you know, maybe if, if, if he's retiring from acting as, as they've been saying, he's going to do for several movies now. <laughs> <laughs> Gran Torino was supposed to be his last acting role. Right. Of course that's and like, the mule. He said the mule was going to be his final acting role. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll wrap up by saying, um, Eduardo Minette, and Natalia Traven are are awesome in this movie. They're they're great. Uh, I want to see more from them. Um, Clint Eastwood miscast. He should not have put himself in this role. Uh, and Dwight Yoakam. No offense, Ashley, because hey, no. you're, you're a fan of his music and we've I, seen him in concert. I, he's, he, he, I am as well. he, he's not a good not a good actor. Not in this. Yeah, I felt his scenes were a little awkward. He might as well have had pages of the script in front of him <laughs> when he was doing his dialogue because uh, it was it was yeah great great musical artist though yeah yeah okay um so out of 10 what would you uh give this ashley uh i'll give it a i'll give it a six okay i give it a five and a half aaron uh i love you Quint, clint but this gets a 6.5 <laughs> okay so our score then is a six and it on the currently on the tomato meter. That's the first day that this movie's out. It has a rotten 53%, which has kind of been hovering around all day. <laughs> uh, and then the audience score is uh, a 69%. And then of course, again, our score is a six percent or a six, six. Yeah. No percentage, <laughs> just a six. Uh, thank you all for listening. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. <laughs>